I landed in Miraflores on Thursday afternoon, which would have been September 16th. It was a quick 45-minute flight from Ayacocha back to Lima. Miraflores is a district in the Lima province of Peru. It's said to be one of the main tourist attractions in Lima. I finished my Peruvian travels with a week in Lima, and I have rebooked the same hotel in Miraflores, so I'll explore the city more then. So this was just a brief stop between the next leg of my travels, if that makes sense. First impressions, though, um, I think I could perhaps live here. I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's back this up to the beginning. This is Carry On With Kelly, the podcast where we unpack the stories of my travel, cancer, recovery, and self-discovery from one small bag. This is episode three of season four. I'm actually recording this on September 26th because I had some Wi-Fi issues and a very hectic week last week, so I will catch all of that up. We kind of have to go back to the beginning here. In case it's not obvious, I am Kelly and I am carrying on. Today's episode, we're going to talk about travel, some of the things I've been doing while I'm here, and self-discovery, or I guess better yet, and to be totally transparent, more rediscovery than self-discovery. I left the States on September 8th. This is the first international traveling I've done since I returned to the country at the end of March 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. That's the longest I've gone without actual traveling in probably 12 to 15 years. Although I did fly to California in March, which wasn't considered traveling. I caught up with a lot of old friends and it was a lovely visit, but not in the scheme of traveling. Starting in my mid-20s, I flew a lot for work. So I had a house in Pittsburgh, I worked for a California company, and I managed mortgage operations on the East Coast, which meant every Sunday night or Monday morning, I was on a plane flying somewhere. And that job really encompassed my life for a couple of years. I would incorporate my personal life in and amongst the work. I didn't really know much about work-life balance back then. But no matter how much I traveled for work, I would start to really get on edge if I didn't have a plane ticket booked somewhere to do something. In my 20s, the idea of traveling was completely different, but I always felt better knowing there was something out there that I was going to get to experience, if that makes sense. Although my needs... And the definition of travel and what took the edge off has really changed over the past 20, 25 years. I still need it. A friend always says it seems like I'm running away from something or I'm just running when I travel. And that used to really bother me when she said that. But these days, I guess I'm okay with the idea of it seeming like I'm running because in my mind, I'm always running to something. I'm trying to take part of what I find out there and incorporate it into my life and make it a better life. I can't see any harm in doing that. So I spent the first week of my travels in Ayacocha. Someone asked why I was there. In 2004, Ayacocha was designated a creative city by the UN. They're known for their textiles, their pottery, their stonework. 
based on what I read, it reminded me of places from my past. So all of the research kind of gave me the Chiang Mai, Fort Gaul, Sri Lanka, Ubud, Bali, and most definitely the Luang Prabang vibe. The town is a valley in a valley. So it's in the bottom of a valley of these huge mountains. The center of a town, the town is this flat grassy square that's surrounded by cobblestone streets and shops. A lot of people roaming around. Initially, the vibe really pulled me in. The room I was staying at, a small boutique hotel, a half a block from the center square. No frills, but it was clean. In case you were curious, I think it was about $40 a night. And that included breakfast and my taxi from the airport to the location. So I thought that was a pretty good steal. One big issue with the room... I never quite figured it out, but somewhere there seemed to be a church nearby and they had services in the evenings, almost every evening, and then most of the day on Sunday. And these went until 10 or 11 o'clock at night, which that's late in my books when it gets dark at 6.30. And they were super loud and they just, the town seemed to stop and wind down at like nine o'clock, but these church services kept going super loud, a lot of activity and a lot of noise. That was really the only issue with the room. Iacocha's claim to fame, in case you were wondering, there are 33 churches there. They say that there's one church for every year of Jesus's life. So when I travel, I always love to find a church. I don't care what you call it, church, mosque, temple. So I was all up for finding all 33 of these churches during my self-discovery city walking tours. I found a bunch. I sort of lost track of which ones I had seen and which ones I was just circling around seeing again. One specific morning, I set out to find two churches and I started walking. And since the town is at the bottom of this valley, after a few blocks, every road either goes up or downhill. So eventually I'm walking up this hill to get to the churches and it gets steeper and steeper and steeper. We're almost like at a 90% grade at this point. And I'm following the map and I'm walking up these hills. I don't know. The the road just kept going straight up, straight up. And I decided that I didn't need to see these churches so bad. So I didn't see all 33, probably found 20 or so. I don't know about you, but I would consider that a success. I planned two tours while I was in Ayacocha. The first was this 12 hour bus tour, which is completely against everything I believe in when it comes to touring. So Kelly, why did you book a bus tour? You might be asking no matter where I researched, I couldn't find any other options. I wanted to get out to this town. It said it was like a two and a half hour ride outside of Ayacocha, but I couldn't, I just couldn't figure out how to get there. So I booked this bus tour. My goal was to visit this town called Vilcashamon, I believe. Small town. But one of the things that pulled me in is there was an Incan pyramid right on the outskirts of town and then this huge church in town. So it's something I really wanted to see. So this tour starts easy enough. I have to be at the tour guide's office at like 8 a.m. They do temperature checks. We're all masked up. 
They walk us to the bus. There's about 18 of us. The tour guide said a few words in English. I know a bit of Spanish, so I thought I could handle this. We get on the bus and the tour guide starts talking a mile a minute for a solid hour. I caught nothing. I am sure I missed at least a few interesting fun facts about where we were traveling to. About an hour into the drive, he pulls over. I at least can say I'll ban you, and he points me to the bathroom. I did not pack any toilet paper, which that should be a lesson in Peru once you leave Lima. Always have your own toilet paper on hand. We sit down for breakfast, and I'm watching everybody else order breakfast, and, and most people were getting rolls with eggs and avocado on them. I know the roll, word for roll, pan for bread. Another roll for egg, word for eggs. So I thought I could handle this, and, and the server was just not comprehending what I was saying because I'm sure I was saying it wrong. So this man approaches me, tells me he knows a little bit of English. He orders breakfast for me. Turns out he's a physician from Lima. He is working in Ayacocha doing contract work for the government during the pandemic. His wife and kids are still living in Lima. So they were visiting for the weekend and they were on this tour and this gentleman saved me every once in a while. He'd lean over to me on the bus and give me a good tidbit of information. Or when we would get off the bus to go do something, I could see the tour guide looking at his watch and giving people instructions. And then he'd just walk away from me. And this gentleman would say, you know, you have 15 minutes to walk around the church, but you have to be back at the bus at 11. So he really, he really saved me. After breakfast, we stop in this brown field. Everybody gets off and we just walk in this direction for 20 minutes to see this tree. And I, the tour guide was talking up a storm. Man leans over to me and says, this is a rare tree that only grows between 3,000 and 4,000 meters. So everybody was taking pictures with this tree. Took a little bit too much time at the trees. Let's be realistic. We get back in the bus. We stop in this small town for lunch. It turns out where we stopped for lunch is where the ruins were. So we walked from the lunch spot right to this pyramid. How fantastic would it be to live in a small town that you could just walk to the end of the street and see some fantastic ruin from like 400 AD? I don't know about you, but there's nowhere in my world that's quite like that. I mean... In Pennsylvania, not far from where I'm living, we have Ligonier with the French and Indian fort, but that's what, 1600? So this is a pyramid from 400 AD that's just sort of hanging out at the end of your block. I could get used to that. The pyramid was everything I read about the pyramid. It's a sacrimonial, ceremonial religious pyramid. It said it was five-tiered. But I still expected a little bit of grandeur, having been to the pyramids in, in Giza. Even five tiers of a pyramid in Giza would have been grandeur. Like each one of those blocks, I think, was taller than me. It wasn't that grand. It was lovely. And, and there was the Inca doorway to walk through and, and lovely scenery. But just not the grandeur that I was really hoping to meet up after this hugely long bus ride. We, you know, I'm probably just grumpy from the bus at this point and the lack of understanding. We move on to the church. We spent time walking around the church and, and sitting in the center of town. Everybody spends about 20 minutes taking their pictures in front of this 
fountain, which, yeah, the fountain was fine, but there was no water in the fountain. So I thought that was sort of a waste of our energy. Then I noticed there's a ton of fountains throughout Ayacocha and none of them have water. So I wonder if that's a conservation thing, if that's because of COVID. I didn't ask, but now I do wonder. So that pyramid was the furthest point. So we start backtracking back to the hotels. The last stop was at this Incan civilization, which was a nice walk. And again, the tour guide gave out a ton of information. From what I understood, there was this one wall and he was talking to us about the craftsmanship of all of these blocks coming together and still thousands of years later them standing and some of the blocks instead of having four sides had divots cut out so there were blocks with like eight and ten sides to them and, and everything was perfectly cut and perfectly matched so without modern tools that's really i don't know for me that's kind of interesting so we get back on the bus we we head back he's not stopping anywhere which I'm sorry, that's a bit much. We end up getting to one point. He stops, he jumps off the bus, looks at the physician and says, sombrero, and they both take off running. They don't tell us where they're going. They just take off running. So I think I'm allowed to go to the bathroom. So I go to get off the bus and the man's wife puts like her hand on my arm and says, no, 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 just sombrero. But then other people started running off the bus. So all these people get off the bus. It turns out the physician left his sombrero where we had breakfast. The bus starts to take off. Everybody's screaming. A couple people went to get ice cream cones. It was just like mass chaos, none of which I really understand. Or rather understood during the whole thing. So that was tour number one. A couple days later, I had planned another tour with the same tour company. I show up to the tour office and they tell me that nobody else signed up for my tour. So they could either refund my money or they could put me on somebody else's tour. Here's the thing, which I probably talked about this some, I don't have a lot of strength to last all day sometimes. So I liked the idea of this tour. It left at nine o'clock. I'd be back by three o'clock. So it kind of gave me some cushion. So now they want me to leave at 11, which isn't getting back till five. I'm already up and about, you know, that's, that's a long day for me in my books, but I really wanted to take this tour. So I start kind of just pulling things out and I say something about a private car. So keep in mind for me to book these tours, I think one was $13 and one was $15 for me to have a seat on the bus. So I thought I had read somewhere that like a private tour was kind of, I thought pricey for the tour. So we start talking and it turns out they would give me a private car with a tour guide for $45 total, which is crazy. My concern is that the driver, if it was the same driver I had the other day, didn't speak any English with my minimal Spanish would I have problems getting around for the day? So the tour guide says that I had been talking to earlier. He's like, no, I'll come with you. So for $45, I got a private car, a driver, and a tour guide to take me for six hours to what I wanted to see. Again, a lesson that I 
should have known. I've done this before. You can always get a private car, and most of the times they're cost-effective. And I just completely, completely forgot. So for an extra $30 or so, I got this private car. He spoke a little bit of English. I spoke a little bit of Spanish. So between the two of us, I thought I got a pretty decent tour. Our first stop of the day was at this Wari ecological site. So it was truly an ecological site, archaeology site, sorry. They were still doing research on it. So it was really great. We got to walk around that. There's minimal tourists here. So there was a couple small buses that were there. But by no means was anything packed. But the goal of this trip was this town. I believe it's Quinoa. Quinoa. Q-U-I-N-U-A. Quinoa? Sure. The town's main industry is pottery. So I have seen their pottery around Ayachocha. A lot of it has this sort of like whimsical touch. So I wanted to, to go check it out. So we drove up. That was the highest elevation I had been at. I think it's 11,000 meters. We drove up to this town. I got to walk around the town and see all the cute little pottery all through the town. The pottery is just sort of exhibited on like people's roofs and there would be statues in the middle of the street. So just the whole entire environment was really great. And since I was so low, I could go wherever I wanted. I ended up finding this lovely establishment for lunch. It was a pottery store with an outside restaurant and all outside seating. And the food was great. Just a really great, just a really great day um, by myself and not on a bus. So a lesson that I forgot there somewhere. So that was pretty much the the gist of my the gist of my Ayacocha trip. I did mention that they had a big square in the middle, and that was probably my favorite part of town. A couple restaurants lined the square and they had verandas overlooking it. And so four times I went to the same restaurant. The food was okay. The food was pretty good, actually. But they had the best view. So one night I was there for dinner and there were two parades that came through the square, which just kind of came out of nowhere. The last night I was in town, I went to dinner and all week I had been sort of struggling with my Spanish did you know, this is a side note, did you know that you can download the span, the language that you want and use Google Translate without Wi-Fi or without your service? I did not know that, but I finally have downloaded Spanish, so it should make the rest of the travels a little easier. So by this last night of dinner, I've had the same server all week. She pulls out her phone and pulls out Google Translate and starts typing in things so she can speak English to me for a little bit. So it was just really... A great experience. I love that combining of cultures. One last little odd story about Ayacolcha. I spent seven nights in the same hotel. A few mornings they actually called me and asked if I was coming down to breakfast. The lobby had better Wi-Fi, so one evening I did sit in the lobby, but none of the employees really made small talk to me. Nobody really asked me if I wanted to do anything or a tour, which is really fine. I'm completely fine with that. But to my last morning in town, I had to leave, I think at like 10.30, 11 o'clock to head to the airport. But there was one last lookout point that I wanted to go to. So I asked them if the taxi before he took me to the airport, 
if he could take me up onto the hill to this observation site. So driver shows up, grabs my suitcase. They throw it into the car. I get in, driver gets in, and hotel employee gets in. And we start driving up to this observation. And and at first, you know, I think I am a pretty good judge of character. And I think I don't put myself in awkward positions. But for about 30 seconds, they're driving up, up, up this hill. And they're taking me down these dirt roads. I'm like, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is right. They're like, no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So for like 30 seconds, I was concerned about my safety. It was fine. They took me where I wanted to go. And then the hotel employee stays in the van and we head off to the airport and he starts selling me, doing like a sales pitch on me, which was really kind of odd. Like I said, I spent seven nights there and nobody said a word to me. He actually puts down the screen and starts showing me videos of all the different tours they can offer me next time I come through Ayacocha. I don't think I'm going to go back to Ayacocha. Like I said, it, it based on my research, it reminded me of all these places. And once I was there, it definitely didn't have that vibe that I was looking for. So I left Ayacocha on the 16th and flew back to Lima, which brings us back to the beginning of this where I'm in Miraflores. I give the taxi the address and we end up, I don't remember even looking up this hotel. It was called Lima 18. And we end up on these residential roads, which is kind of concerning. And we pull up in front of this building. Doesn't look like anything, you know, it has a a gate outside. He looks a little confused as well. They let me in and it's this adorable little house. I think there was only the downstairs, which is where the lobby and where we ate breakfast. There was an outside seating area with some rooms out back and there were three rooms upstairs, 60 bucks a night. It was in this most fantastic neighborhood where I could walk to two different Starbucks, which come on, we know why I love Starbucks. I love that idea of a third place. I also love the idea of a cold drink. Hadn't had a cold drink all week. At the very end of that street is an archeology span site, which I will talk about another day. It just seemed like such a great neighborhood. So I will confess that I started to look for rental properties and thought perhaps I could live in Iacocha. But then, you know, we have to check ourselves a little bit. A lot has changed. Here's the self-discovery or rediscovery part of the whole thing. A lot has changed since the day I landed in Sam Reap. So I landed in Sam Reap on September 1st of 2016. And within 72 hours, I decided that's where I was going to live. My journey the last few years has taken a lot from me. And through it all, or maybe because of it all, and let's give a little bit of credit to my therapist, through it all, I've also gained some things. I've gained a lot of empathy. I think most people would agree that I was one of the least empathetic people before all this happened. That doesn't really come into play in this scenario. I've gained a lot more self-awareness and especially dealing with my personal life and my emotions, better critical thinking skills. I really have a better overall perspective on everything, especially how my mind works and how all of it plays in together. 
so yes, when I landed in Miraflores, I did look at Reynolds and think for a minute, well, I really think I could live here. But, you know, honestly, I'm still hunting for some place to spend my winters. So you never know. It might be Miraflores next year. But get what I'm looking for. I loved it because it was such a vibrant neighborhood. I want to be able to walk out my door and have everything at my fingertips and not have to get in my car and drive. And I want to walk to that Starbucks, which is my third place of choice. If you're not familiar with the concept of third place, your home is your first place, your work is your second place. For me, my Starbucks is my third place. I, I want that. I want to go back to the lifestyle that I am meant to have, the, the life that I put together for myself in New York. I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't think it means I need to move to Peru. But we need to do something. So, there you go. Ta-da. She even solves her own mental problems these days. So that brings us to the end of the Ayacocha story. Mira Flores, I've actually rebooked that room. I get back there, I think October 6th. I could be wrong with that. And I'll spend my last week in Mira Flores exploring more areas in Lima. So we'll get to that. So that is my story. Thank you for joining me for episode three, season four of Carry On With Kelly. I have a lot to digest about my week last week. Last week was my volunteer week. And once I put all those thoughts together, I will record the next episode. So I hope you will continue to join me as I continue to carry on. Have a good night.